With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hall of Fame coaches, national champions, lottery picks, the best minds in basketball. Welcome into the sidelines with Evan Daniels. What's up, college basketball fans? Welcome back into the Sidelines Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Daniels, college basketball insider over at FS1, as well as the director of basketball recruiting at 24-7 Sports. Today's episode of the Sidelines Podcast is an NCAA tournament special. I'm going to bring on three head coaches from one big leagues to tell you about their teams and their journeys. We'll start with UNC Greensboro's Wes Miller, then we'll move over to Murray State's Mac McMahon, and then College of Charleston's Earl Grant. Before we get to those interviews, I want to make sure that you are subscribed to the Sidelines Podcast. You can do that over on Apple Podcasts and or your favorite podcast app. The other way to support this podcast is to leave a rating and a review. That would be extremely helpful. You could also shoot me a note over on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at Evan Daniels. Now let's jump to that first interview with UNC Greensboro head coach, Wes Miller. It's time to go minimum with Evan Daniels. Send it in, big fella. Now let's welcome in Wes Miller, the head coach of UNC Greensboro. Just recently punched his ticket to the NCAA tournament. Uh, Wes, how are things? Things are great, Evan. I really appreciate you having me on. Of course. Uh, on Monday, you knocked off ETSU to win the SOCON tournament. And uh, I'm curious, what have these last five, six days been like for uh, for you and your team? It's, uh, it's, it's been great. I mean, we're, we're thrilled to be in the tournament. It's new for us. It's new for UNCG you know, for our program, for our players. So it's been a little bit of a whirlwind there. Um, we spent a couple of days off, you know, after the after the game Monday night against East Tennessee State, uh, just trying to catch our breath and catch our legs. And I wanted our guys to kind of enjoy the moment a little bit. And then the last two days, we've been trying to get them back in the gym and get them focused because uh, we don't want to lose sight of kind of how we got here and who we are. But at the same time, I do want them to enjoy this experience because it's a it's a really special thing to be in the NCAA tournament and everything that kind of goes with it. You guys were 15 and three in your league and, and your league year in and year out is, is competitive between, especially with ETSU and Chattanooga and, and, and these other teams. What, what was it like to, to, to win that league and win that conference tournament? Well, yeah, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. It's, it's the last two years in our league are as good as any years, you know, since I've been associated with this league and in, in, in the seven years that I've been here, just because the the depth from top to bottom in the league has been tremendous. You know, when I first got into the league, Evan Davidson and Calvin Charleston in the league, and Davidson had some tremendous teams. Uh, but from top to bottom, I don't think it was competitive as it has been the last two. And you mentioned East Tennessee State. Chattanooga's had some great teams. You know, Wofford and Furman have had great teams. Mercer's had great teams. And then, you know, you kind of keep going down the line. So, you know, we felt incredibly fortunate to win the regular season the last two years. Uh, we felt incredibly fortunate to be in the championship game of the tournament the last two years. And, and this year we felt like we really got over the hump. You know, I mean, we, we lost by one possession to East Tennessee State a year ago. I think this group has really kind of hung on to that, that feeling all off season and throughout this year. And, you know, I felt like we were really fortunate to get back. It took a, 
you know, a one possession win, a last second shot per se against Wofford in the semifinals to get there, you know, on Monday night to get back to the finals. And, and, I, and I thought we were more prepared this year than we were the year before because we'd been through it already. You're, you're no stranger to the NCAA tournament back from your, your playing days. What, what will the message be to your team this week leading up to, uh, to starting this deal? Well, first, it's, it's going to be the same thing it's been since we started practice in July. And then we, we, we went on a foreign tour, so we've been at this thing for a while. And that's that we're really going to try to just get better one drill, one practice, one weightlifting session, one day at a time. And this team's really bought into that type of mentality. So we're going to try to get back to who we are and our values in this week and a half between conference tournament and NCAA tournament. But the second thing, I want them to enjoy the moment, and I want them to enjoy the experience when we're outside the lines. When we're in the lines, we have to be the team that we've been trying to be from day one and, and be focused and be tough and be physical and be committed to, to working every day. So, you know, I want us to find that balance and walk that fine line. But, but don't, don't get me wrong, I want us to enjoy the experience too because I, I think that's part of this NCAA tournament experience for kids. That it has to be enjoyable. Now, in the non-conference, you played Virginia, the nation's number one team, pretty close. You played Wake Forest, a high major team, pretty close. And you knocked off uh, North Carolina State. Maybe for the average Hoops fan that, that doesn't flip on the TV until tournament time, uh, kind of describe your bunch. How do you guys like to play, and, and what are your strengths and weaknesses? Well, we, we're deep. Uh, this is a really deep team. We've played 11 guys significant minutes this year. And at times, that's been tough for me as a coach, you know, trying to find – 11 guys minutes, you know, uh, but we have 11 guys I feel really comfortable putting into any situation. For a mid-major program, we have really good length and athleticism. Uh, you know, we go 6'8", 6'10", on the front line, 6'7", at the small four spot. So in our starting lineup, 6'7", 6'8", you know, 6'9", 6'10". And then we bring another 6'9", guy off the bench in the front court. So we have really good size in the front court, and, and those guys can move pretty well for their size. You know, James Dickey is is maybe as versatile a player as we had in the Southern Conference this year. It's 6'9", 6'10". He can guard five positions. He was the defensive player of the year in the league, led, us, led the league in blocks and rebounds. And then in the backcourt, we're just really deep. Uh, Francis Alonzo's one of the best shooters in college basketball. Uh, he's a, a kid from Spain, a junior for us that was first-team all-league. MVP of the SOCON tournament. Demetrius Troy, a junior guard, has done a great job for us at the point guard position and he's played really well here as a late. And then we play, you know, three or four other guys off the bench in the backcourt on the wing. Uh, we have a, a high-flying freshman in Isaiah Miller that's six foot. I, I'd, I'd venture to guess he's as athletic as anybody in the NCAA tournament at six feet. Uh, you know, he's got 46-inch, 48-inch vertical, something like that, and, you know, comes in. He's like instant energy. Uh, and we have a number of other guys that come in and bring great energy to the game. That so, sounds like you as a player, our, that type of athleticism. <laughs> it's the opposite of me. Now, we got we got a, a, a guy that, you know, plays a limited minutes for us but comes off the bench. He's a, a, four, he's a walk-on in Garrett Collins, and he can really shoot the three, and he struggles to kind of guard the chair I'm sitting in off the bounce. And he's a heck of a story. He's had a, he's had a great senior year. He's the only guy that resembles me because he's unathletic and can shoot it. <laughs> uh, but the rest of the team's got pretty good athleticism. Um, and, you know, style of play, Evan, you know, uh, we, we press on every made basket, on every dead ball. Uh, it's more of a three-quarter court press than a full-court trapping press. 
Um, and it's really allowed us to kind of control the game defensively. We built our identity around the defensive end of the floor. I think we're sixth in the nation in points allowed this year. Um, and then offensively, we like to kind of spread it and drive it. And we shoot a lot of threes and, you know, try to play an open style of play and let the guys really go. And we, and we really do value the backboards. How much of your philosophy have you taken from a guy like Roy Williams that you played for uh, and, and kind of instilled in your group? Well, I think the values, you know, are, are in our program. I think the fundamental values, you know, are, are very similar to the things that I learned, you know, from coach, whether it was playing for him or just being around him so much over the years. Uh, the style of play is quite a bit different. You know, I, I think, again, our, our three-quarter court pressure back to different defenses is really different. He's, you know, half-court man-to-man guy. We do do a lot of things in transition, teaching-wise, that are things they teach. But our X and O's once we get down the floor are quite a bit different because we spread it and drive it where I think traditionally, you know, they're, they're a pounded inside team. Um, that's not been, you know, the same. But, but fundamentally, Evan, there's a lot of similarities just in our day-to-day approach, our cultural approach, and things of that nature. You mentioned Francis Alonzo, and, and he's obviously had a really good season for you, averaging 15 points a game. What makes that guy so difficult to guard? Man, I, well, first off, how he shoots it. You know, and he, he can make them from anywhere off the catch, off the bounce. You know, he makes them from 15 feet. He makes them going to the rim. And he's not he, – he, now he's 6'4 at guard, so he's got good size. He's a better athlete than he looks, but he's not a he's not an incredible athlete physically. Um, but he's just got great savvy. He can get where he wants with the ball. A lot of people think of him as just a shooter because he does shoot it at such a high clip. I mean, I think he shoots it as good as anybody in college basketball – but he grew up in the in Spain playing international basketball for the Spanish national team, and he always played point guard growing up. Now we play him in a more of a combo role, but I think what makes him really special is that when you take him off the three-point line, he can do a lot off the bounce, not just to create a, a shot for himself, but he can create him for other guys as well. So a lot of what we do really does run through him. Your first couple seasons at Greensboro were a little bit up and down, but over the course of the last two, you've won 52 games. What was the changing point for you guys? Well, I, you know, listen, the first handful of years were really tough. I know you know that, uh, you know, because we've known each other so long. Uh, I think the failure, you know, the lack of success, the tough times we went through are kind of the reason we're here today. You know, I, I was 27 when I got this job as an interim head coach, 28 when I got the job full time. And I thought I know what I, what, I thought I knew what I was doing. You know, I had a lot of <laughs> conviction about what I was doing. I think our staff thought we knew what we were doing and we were humble. You know, we found out really quick that we didn't. Um, it really, that process of trying to figure out, you know, how to get better and how to improve here, I think really helped us figure out our values, who we are as a program the type of people we want to attract to our program, whether it's staff, you know, or whether it's players, and then how we want to play and how kind of we, we want to approach this thing. So I think the turning point was the failure. You know, those first couple of years we really failed. That really allowed us to figure out who we were and how we want to be on a day-to-day basis. And our culture really changed in year three and four. What type of advice would the 35-year-old Wes Miller say to the 30- or 31-year-old Wes Miller? <laughs> I was at a coaching clinic, uh, you know, I got six, five, six years ago after my second year here. And there's a guy named Lenny Acuff, and he's a Division II coach at Alabama Huntsville. 
you know, for those of you guys who don't know who he is, and he uh, he's been really like really successful there. And I'm sitting in a coaching clinic, and he's introduced, and I was going to speak after him, and you know, I didn't know who he was. I'll confess. And he gets up, and the first thing he says is, you know, there's two types of coaches: those that are humble and those that are about to be. And this is after I got my tail kicked pretty good for a couple of years here. And I went, dang, that ain't true. You know, that's that's about the most true statement I've ever heard. And I think what I'd say to to the, to the, the guy that first got the job here is it's okay not to know everything. You know, put your nose to the grindstone. Understand you don't know everything. Try to figure it out. Try to listen better to the people around you that may know more than you do. And, and just stay humble and just stay working. And it, it took me a while to figure all that out. Uh, I, I, I know now that I don't have it all figured out. So the only difference is I'm more aware now. You know, I'm not saying I have it figured out now, but at least I know it type of thing. I mentioned your playing days a second ago, and, and you started as a walk-on and, and earned a starting position before you graduated at North Carolina. What was that experience like for you? I had one of those storybook, you know, college experiences. I, I went to North Carolina solely because, you know, I wanted to get into coaching. I knew I wanted to be a coach as long as I can remember. And I thought that that would – you know, help prepare me to coach as much as any college experience I could have. I knew that as much as I wanted to play, that the odds were I wouldn't be able to. Um, so that was a really tough decision, actually, to go to school there because I knew that playing would be difficult. Uh, and then, as you said, it, you know, we won a national championship in 2005. You know, in the 05 06 season, my junior year, I ended up starting and, and being a really significant contributor to a, you know, a three seed in the tournament and a, a top 10 team nationally. And then my senior year, I was on team that was number one in the country most of the year you know I played significant minutes coming off the bench behind Wayne Ellington and Ty Lawson and and so I you know I just got to have this incredible college experience for a guy that you know was, was probably not near at well not probably I was not near that level of a player um, so it, it really did work out and uh, I just learned so much basketball I made lifelong relationships and, uh, and and man I really do think it helped propel me into a coaching career. Not many people can say they've won a national championship. Can you describe that feeling? No, I, you know I don't know if I can. I, people ask that all the time. Um, it, it, it's it's was surreal when it happened, and you know at that age, you know when you're a youngster, everything seems to just kind of happen so fast. Uh, but looking back on it, uh, the thing that I tell everybody, and it's been a great message to players that I've coached, is you know it, it's followed me for the rest of my life. Uh, every time I've ever been introduced to speak anywhere, you know, I've, I've met somebody, uh, you know, I'm always introduced as a, a national champion first. And the, the irony of the whole thing, Evan, is, you know, I ended up having a decent playing career at North Carolina, but the national championship year, my sophomore year, I barely played. Um, I didn't even get in the national championship game. But here we are, you know, a handful of years later, over a decade later, and nobody even remembers that I didn't play. Everybody just remembers that, I was on the national championship team and it's just been so powerful in my life to have that associated with me. I think it's a great message for, for players that, you know, if you'll just play your role and help a team have success, everybody's going to win and everybody's going to benefit from that regardless of what's happening to you individually. And it's certainly been that way for me. Question I like to ask everybody that comes on the, the podcast, Wes, is if you weren't coaching, what would you be doing with your life? <laughs> That's a great question. I've gotten some interesting had, answers too, Wes. Like uh, Mike Boyton told me that he'd run a, mo a morgue. You know, he's, we've gotten some interesting <laughs> answers. So I'm, I'm curious where you go with this. Is Mike serious about that? I'm he was dead that. serious. He was dead serious. Trip. Oh, man. 
you know, like you asked me that question, this is probably really sad. Like I have no idea. Like anything I tell you, I'll be completely full of it because I have <laughs> no idea. I, uh, Jay, Jay I Wright. Jay wife, Wright told me he would be a barista on a beach. You know what? I was just gonna say. I think, I think I'd be in in one or two places. Now I don't know if I'd be, have a job, but I'd either be on a beach somewhere or on a golf course. Now I'm, I might not have a job, but those would be the two things I'd be doing if I wasn't coaching. Um, and, and my wife, my wife loves to travel, so she she'd have us traveling all the time. Wes, I appreciate that's the time. That's, that's a pretty good question. I, it's probably pretty sad that I've never even thought about it. I like the golf answer though. I I uh, I don't I don't have enough time to play, but uh, I'm I'm trying to get better. Well, it, that, that's all of us, man. But it's the I love it. If I can get four hours of free time, which very rarely happens, I'm getting on the link. So me, me and you got to do that one day. We got to get out there and play. That'd be awesome, Wes. Good luck this week and uh, with your your draw and and in the NCAA tournament. And I appreciate you taking the time out and jumping on the podcast. No doubt. Thanks so much, Ed. Now let's welcome in Mac McMahon, the head coach over at Murray State. Matt, thanks for uh, taking the time out and jumping on the podcast. Hey, Evan. Thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Now, last Saturday, you uh, you knocked off Belmont to win the OVC tournament. What have uh, what's the last week been like for you as you you guys uh, sit back and kind of wait to see who you play? Uh, it's been a lot of fun. I'm just so happy and proud for our guys. They've uh, really been a joy to coach this year. Uh, and they've worked extremely hard. I was just so proud of their performance Saturday night. We were down five uh, with about 15 minutes to play and went on a 34 to 10 run uh, to lock up the uh, tournament championship to go with our regular season championship. So, uh, we're, Evan, we're just trying to find the balance this past week of really enjoying it and celebrating the accomplishment, uh, but also uh, still getting in the gym and working extremely hard trying to get better. Uh, so that we can go out here and compete in the NCAAs next week. With such a long layoff until you play, what's kind of the message to your team been over the past week and just staying ready and prepared? Sure. We spent a lot of time going over how we wanted to approach it, and we basically just, coming back from Christmas break, completed a 10-week stretch of OVC play, nine weeks of the regular season plus the tournament, and we just looked at this as week 11. Uh, we, we had a normal week of practice. Uh, played a game, uh, inter-squad scrimmage today, uh, Saturday, uh, and then we'll be off Sunday uh, and then just have a normal week of preparation headed into the NCAAs. Now you're sitting at 26-5, and five, Coach, and for the average college basketball fan that maybe uh, is just flipping on the TV now and, and hasn't watched you guys this season, w- what will they see when they watch Murray State basketball? Well, we've been really fortunate. We have some elite, high-level players. Uh, as a team, we've been very balanced this season uh, in that for the majority of the year, we've been one of three teams uh, in the country that are top 50 in both scoring offense and scoring defense, along with Michigan State and Purdue. Uh, individually, player-wise, you, know, you watch so many of these college games and you see the importance of point guard play. Well, we're, we're blessed to have two of the best point guards in the country, our senior, uh, Jonathan Stark, uh, who's now over 2,200 career points almost 600 career assists, 300 made threes, has just been phenomenal this year. Uh, was regular season player of the year and also uh, tournament MVP. Then our freshman point guard, John Morant, who's just been terrific. He's had an unbelievable freshman season. That's one of five players over the last 25 years of college basketball to average 13 points a game, seven rebounds a game, and over six and a half assists. 
you know, with two of the other five being Penny Hardaway and Jason Kidd. So pretty good company for him. And then our third uh, all-OVC first-team guy is Terrell Miller, who I think uh, fans are going to love watching him play. He's 6'8", 245 pounds, uh, really shoots the ball extremely well from three. Uh, he's very skilled. He had 18 defensive rebounds in our semifinal win uh, and has just had a terrific senior year. Murray State has obviously had some really good point guards over the year, guys like Cameron Payne and Isaiah Cannon. And maybe this is an unfair question, but but how does a guy like Jonathan Stark compare uh, to those great former Murray State guards? Well, I'm I'm terrible at comparisons, and I don't like to compare players anyway, but he, he ranks right up there. He's one of the best players ever to play here at Murray State. Uh, he, he became the all-time leading two-year scorer in the history of our program. Uh, he's just an elite, elite player. I, I think he's one of the best players in all of college basketball, regardless of level. And he's just a, a relentless worker, Evan. You would love him. He's in that gym three <laughs> times a day. And he shoot. He set the school record last year. He broke Isaiah Cannon's record uh, for made three-pointers. He made 108 last year in the OBC championship game. This year he broke his own record, made his 109th. Uh, so he's just an awesome player. A lot of fun to watch. I'm excited for the rest of the country to get to see him this week. 109 makes on 266 attempts. That's good enough for 41% from threes, averaging just under 22 points a game. Coach, what makes him so difficult for the opposition to contain? Just can score in a variety of ways. You just talked about his uh, elite marksmanship from behind the arc, uh, but he's also incredibly explosive off the dribble. He's really improved his game off the bounce as far as getting to the rim and finishing play, also getting to the paint and getting fouled. And he shot the shot at 89% from the free throw line this year. So uh, just his ability not only to, to shoot the three, but create his own shot off the dribble, has an outstanding mid-range game. He's got the total package. Also creates for others, uh, as I mentioned, almost 600 assists for his career. Now, prior to taking over at Murray State, you worked for the likes of Buzz Peterson, Steve Prohm, Eric Conkle. Who are some of the coaches that have had the biggest impact on your coaching career and your philosophy as a coach? Well, there have been a bunch. I've been very blessed to work for for great coaches, to play for a great coach. So I probably would start uh, with Houston Fancher and Buzz Peterson, uh, who I played for at Appalachian State. I really got to see uh, Buzz and Houston there as they rebuilt the entire program. Uh, I went in there with them. Uh, The program had lost a lot of games for a lot of years. And within year two, we were 20-plus wins a season. Uh, So I got to see how to rebuild a program uh, from the ground up. Uh, Both of those guys, Coach Fancher and Coach Peterson, have been very influential, uh, not only in my life as a coach and a player, but just as a man. Uh, and, and how to be a great father, a great husband, so on and so forth. And then I, then I would move on to Coach Prome, who's been an unbelievable mentor for me. Uh, my four years working for him here at Murray State, uh, I learned so much. Uh, he's very creative offensively, uh, defensively. He comes from the Billy Kennedy School there, the, the very sound and fundamental at that end of the floor. And, and then the, the number one thing I really took from Coach Prome He's a great leader of people. Uh, he, he really knows how uh, to coach each player individually to the best of their ability, uh, to see the way he coached guys like Isaiah Cannon and Cameron Payne. Uh, I really took a lot from that. 
the way he holds them accountable, but also uh, turns them loose to play with great confidence and freedom and, and really showcase their skills and talents. Now, Matt, I've had a lot of coaches tell me that uh, when they take over a job for the first time, they become a head coach for the first time, you're never fully ready. What have you learned over the course of these last three seasons? You became a, a head coach for the first time in 2015-2016 season. What's maybe the biggest lesson you've learned over the course of the last three seasons? Well, there are a lot, Evan. Uh, for me, um, I, I'm very thankful for the struggles that we've been through. We, we haven't won uh, in year two, especially at the level uh, that, that is required to win here at Murray State with Cameron Payne going to the NBA draft after his sophomore year. Uh, we also lost four of our top five players off our very good 2015 team. We really had to start the program over uh, as far as rebuilding our roster, reestablishing our culture. And, and I think those are the things that really stand out. Number one is your, the foundation of your program. What are you building your program on? Uh, number two is you have to get the right people on the bus uh, as far as coaches, players, so on and so forth. You got to get the right people and then you got to get them in the right seats uh, by establishing that culture. And I feel like we've really been able to do that this year. Uh, and, you know, these players deserve all the credit. Our assistant coaches, uh, Shane Nichols, Tim Kane, Casey Long, uh, they've done just a phenomenal job in, in establishing the culture in the locker room. And that has fed into our success on the court. You won 10 conference games your first year at the helm, eight last year, and then 16 this year. Can you kind of pinpoint the when that, that change happened that you're talking about with the, the culture? I mean, was that is that something that you had to build in the offseason? Yeah, it was this offseason, Evan. And for us, this was the first time as head coach having an all-conference player back. And we were fortunate to have two guys back and Terrell Miller and Jonathan Stark. Uh, we were able to do a, a really good job from a recruiting standpoint, getting a, a freshman like John ja Morant, a junior college player like Shaq Buchanan. Uh, those two guys uh, have really impacted our, our entire team with their unselfishness, their competitiveness, and their toughness. And you know, when I was preparing for our season this past spring, I saw a great quote you know, from Jeff Van Gundy. He said, if you want your guys to play hard, go get hard playing guys. <laughs> and, and we were fortunate to do that uh, with guys like Ja, Shaq Buchanan, Anthony Smith. It really uh, is a skill playing hard these days. It is. It is. And it's, it's one that uh, you can't take for granted. And, you know, our guys have really bought in uh, to the concept of team. And because of that, all the individual accolades, so on and so forth, they've gotten all that they wanted and then some. Uh, but if you're not winning, uh, if you're not about the team, uh, those, those honors don't come your way. So just really proud of our group. You know, they, you know, the Jonathan Stark, Terrell Miller, those guys uh, have really etched their name uh, into this unbelievable tradition here at Murray State. Last question before I let you go, Coach. If you weren't a basketball coach, what would you be doing with your life? That's a great question. Uh, well, I got my degree from Appalachian State in marketing uh, from the very good business school they have there. So I'd probably be trying to follow in your footsteps, be the guru recruiter, uh, <laughs> scouting, uh, analyze players. Uh, I really enjoy that part of it. Uh, but no, this, this is what I want to be doing. So uh, we're all in on coaching. And if for some reason that doesn't work out one day, I'm going to have a lot of things to figure out.
<laughs> well, Coach, good luck this week as you wait for your draw, and uh, um, good luck in the NCAA tournament. I appreciate you taking the time out and jumping on the podcast. All right, Evan. Thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Now let's welcome in College of Charleston head basketball coach Earl Grant to the Sidelines podcast. Coach, how you doing? Doing great, Evan. Thanks for having me. Of course. Uh, in the CAA Tournament Championship this past week, your team came back from down 17 uh, to win the conference tournament and, and punch your ticket to the big dance. How, how'd you guys do it? Well, you know, a lot of effort and a lot of determined spirit. Uh, you know, in the first half, we, we dug a hole for ourselves. We got down 13 points. It was a little bit out of character on defense. Uh, offensively, we didn't do a good enough job of moving and sharing the ball. Uh, we had a lot of one-on-one things taking place uh, you know, with our players. But out in the second half, our trust level on offense, just you know, moving the ball, making the extra pass, sharing it, taking care of it, I thought that was huge. But the big reason we were able to you know, really turn it around was you know, we really clamped down defensively. Uh, there was about a six- or seven-minute period where we were locked in and we didn't have any breakdowns and, and we just got multiple stops uh, and made it hard for, for Northeastern and we were able to get out in transition and convert some of those misses. You told me that your team went back to their grimy and, and, and gritty ways. Is, is that the DNA of your basketball team? Yeah, you know, I mean, that's, that's just how I've been raised in coaching, you know, working for Greg uh, Marshall and Brad Burnell. You know, for 10 consecutive years, a lot of what we try to do was is defense and rebounding. And, and especially at Clemson, we never had the better players. We played against talented teams in the league and the ACC, but we always had, like, underdog players. And so it was always a fight. Uh, and then with Wichita State, that, that was just a mentality um, that Greg, you know, would, would bring to the team. And, and he, he brainwashed me. He made me think that was the most important thing, you know, that grittiness, that toughness. You know, having some verve and vigor to yourself with the energy that you have to play with to be to be successful. And uh, we try to bring it to our program. And that's why we've been able to move the program forward over the last four years. I think we got away from it a little bit maybe three weeks ago, right towards the end of the season. Now that we have a lot of offensive firepower and talent, you know, we've been able to score a lot. And so we there have been a few nights where we had three guys all have over 25 and and we scored 80s and 90s, and I think, I think it made us a little bit weak that we didn't have to depend on our defense as much. But, but again, in a tough situation in the Northeastern game in the finals, when our backs were against the wall, you know, all of the, everything that's inside of us as a program spilled out on the court, and I think that's what happened. When you got back to the locker room after uh, after that comeback win, what was your message to your team? Well, you know, it took a long time to get back there because we had the celebration. <laughs> uh, to be honest with you, I never really got back to them. Um, you know, the next day we talked about it a little bit. It's just the understanding that who we are as a program, there's no need to apologize. That energy-given behaviors are maybe ain't always sexy, but it's very critical. Uh, not not being afraid to be a junkyard dog, you know, uh, sacrificing yourself for the betterment of the team and focusing on the right things. Not focusing on offense as much. Focus on defense. That's who we are. And we don't need to apologize about it. And so we did talk about that a little bit afterwards because I thought in the second half, you know, we held them to like 27 points and we were really, really stingy on the defensive end. As a head coach, how does it feel to uh, to go be going to the NCAA tournament for the first time? Unbelievable. You know, I never really, 
you spend so much time just trying to prepare for what's next, the next game, uh, the next practice, you know, what do we need to do today? Uh, how hard do we need to go? Do we need to work on edge? Do we need to back off and work on leg? you know, let them have some legs? And you're just constantly trying to get a pulse for the team and what do they need at that certain moment. Um, so you really, you know, to be honest with you, the, the championship game kind of snuck up on us because like, all of a sudden we're in the championship game. So um, it, it feels good that we were able to to win it uh, really for the players. You know, there's a few players in the program that have that, that been around from day one with me and we've been through some tough battles. It's been a climb. So I really feel good for the for the players. And, and then also the city of Charleston, you know, they know basketball. They love basketball. Coach John Chris had built a monster here in the 80s and the uh, mid-90s, and the program just hadn't reached that pinnacle again. And so I think this is a great start for us by making the NCAA. It's a great start for us to try to, you know, regain and rebuild this program and turn it into something really special. For someone that maybe hasn't seen your team play, the, the average basketball fan's going to flip on the television during the NCAA tournament. What are your what are your team's strengths and weaknesses? What do you guys bring to the table? I mean, I, I hope they see – I mean, I hope when you watch us on TV that you see a true team, uh, a togetherness, a group that, you know, look like they enjoy playing with each other a group that look like they don't care who gets the credit, you know, share the ball, move it. Um, you know, I hope you will see that. I hope you will see an energetic group that love what they does, you know, and just really show emotion and passion for the game and a love for the game. Um, and then I hope you see grit, you know, some toughness and grit about it. You know, guys fighting for loose balls and not doesn't mind sacrificing their body to take a charge and do what's best for the team. Um, those are the things that I hope that, that if anybody watches that they will see those things, you know, an unselfish group of team that care about each other, play with great passion and energy, and, and they fly around. They give good energy and good effort, uh, make good basketball plays. So that's really it. You have three players on your roster that are averaging more than 17 points a game, uh, Grant Riller, Joe Chilly, and Jarrell Brantley. Uh, that's pretty impressive. Uh, tell me about those guys. I mean, yeah, you know, those guys are talented. You know, um, Joe Chilly was – he was uh, – when I got here, Joe Chile was already here. He was a, a, a freshman in the program, and so uh, he got hurt his freshman year, didn't play much, and then my first full-time year as a head coach, he was going into his second year. He was, got healthy, uh, played for us, and, you know, we won nine games. So he's been with me from day one, and we've been through the battles, and he's really a gym rat working this game. He's a self-made player. You know, Grant Riller is a guy that I, I, I've witnessed – I was recruiting Kerry Blackshear out of Orlando when I was at Clemson, and Kerry ended up going to Virginia Tech, and Grant Riller was on the team with Kerry Blackshear. And I remember one day in Kansas City, Sunflower Classic coming out of the gym, and, and Grant saw me, and I saw him, and I said, hey, man, you're going to be great one day. I wish we needed a two-guard at Clemson, man. We would love to recruit you, man. Good luck. And that was it. That was in July. And then I get the job here that September, and I called him and said, do you remember, remember me? Uh, and so he came here, and, and uh, he's been unbelievable. He's got the most points uh, in school history for a second-year player. He's already bro broken Andrew Gulak's second-year point total. He's got 1,000 points in two years. Um, and then, you know, Jarrell Brantley, another guy in my first recruiting class, as well as, you know, he was in that class with Grant Riller, Char uh, 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 South Carolina kid, underappreciated, left Columbia, moved up to Montrose, 
left Montrose, went up to Notre Dame prep, kind of a journeyman, underappreciated, self-made player, toughness, passion, wears emotion on his sleeves. And he was, again, one of my first recruits. He's an inside-outside threat, but really works on his game and develop himself into a great player. Now, in your first season, you won just nine games and then 17 in year two, and now 51 combined in the last two years. What helped you steer this program in the right direction? Well, I mean, you know, it's a, uh, it takes a village, you know, to do it. So I think the most critical thing is we recruited well. You know, we identified the right guys, a bunch of underappreciated guys. And a lot of people didn't want these kids, so we evaluated well. You know, not only were they good players, but they, they don't mind working. They got a humble spirit about them. Uh, they don't have all the answers. You know, they want to be taught. And so those guys are very talented, but they, they were the right fit for what we wanted to do and what we were trying to do. I think that's number one. And then number two, you know, being able to keep a staff in place for multiple years. I think, you know, the administration, our athletic director, our president, you know, made enough of a commitment financially where we can go out and, you know, reward the assistant coaches for good work, good effort. So you can keep guys around. I think that's been very critical. And then I think the um, we got great alignment from the president and the AD, uh, you know, down to myself. You know, I can communicate with the president if I need to. I can communicate with the AD, and they can communicate with each other. I think that alignment is very important. And then, um, and then you know, uh, the, the donors and boosters, you know, people who push us forward and allow us to take a charter flight. You got Thursday game at James Madison, and you got to be back home Saturday for Delaware. You know, the donors and boosters who were able to, you know, push money into our program and give us the resources we need to uh, to operate on the championship level. So I think it's all of those things mixed together and why we've been able to make some progress. You mentioned Brad Brownell and, and Greg Marshall uh, a minute ago. I would assume they're your answer, but I, I guess maybe a why. But what, what coaches uh, have had the biggest impact on your, your coaching career? Yeah, I mean, obviously Greg Marshall uh, and, and Brad Brunell, you know, they, they've had the biggest impact. But, you know, I did work for a guy uh, named Pat Dennis at the Citadel who really helped me. And then Terry Sellers gave me my first opportunity as a graduate assistant down at Georgia College in Milledgeville, Georgia, where I played. And I stayed two more years to be a GA. So, you know, all of those guys impacted me. My high school coach, Kim Deese. You know, he's been critical. He's been crucial. Uh, but then, you know, this fraternity brothers, you know, uh, Shocker Smart, you know, being able to call Shocker. You know, I remember calling Shocker when I first got to Clemson as an assistant. And I called him and said, hey, you know, what's the key to be successful as an assistant here? Like, what was, what did you think you did well? What would you do different? Uh, you know, guys like him, you know, Steve Prome, guys like that who, you know, good spiritual quality man talked about. You know, just being true to who you are when you take these jobs and, you know, don't try to emulate anybody else. You know, this so there's so many different guys. Gary Waters, who coached at Cleveland State for a long time, he's done, he's retired now, moved down to Tampa. But being able to pick up the phone and call him, Dale Clayton with Nations of Coaches. So, you know, it's just a few of them, but there's a lot of guys um, that's been resources and allies and kind of sort of like fraternity brothers where, you know, uh, you can pick up the phone and call them, and and they answer your call, and they're willing to talk to you and 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 uh, see if they can help you in any way. It might just be, it might just be uh, telling you a book to read that's that's helpful. Right. You know, 
uh, you know, so it's been really good. It's been really good to have people that's willing to help. That's great stuff. Coach, one question I like to ask everybody that comes on my show. If you weren't coaching basketball, if you weren't uh, in college basketball, what would you be doing with your life? I mean, I think if I wasn't coaching, uh, I'd be doing probably one or two things. I, I got my psychology degree in undergrad, and I worked on a Master of Public Administration. So I, I thought I was going to be an industrial organizational psychologist working for a BMW over in Greenville. I really thought I was going to be doing that. There's more hu- human resources going through the screening process, personality tests, figuring out who's right for the job and positioning people all throughout the corporation. So that was one of the things that I really thought about. The other thing was, it's kind of weird, when I was a graduate assistant, I wasn't making money, so I, I was working a front desk at a hotel in Hampton Inn there in Millersville, Georgia. So I said, well, you know, might not be too bad to uh, to take this hospitality management and go out to Vegas or go out to one of those resorts in Puerto Rico. Uh, but, but really, if it wasn't something like that, it probably would have been a program director for a boys and girls club, YMCA, maybe a children's home, maybe an orphanage, you know, get within 11 and 12, 13 year old kids who are trying to get to college, trying to finish high school, maybe they're in a bad situation, maybe they're inner city, maybe they're middle class, whatever it is, but single parent. And just help them kids fight for their future and, and give them the knowledge that I have about life to try to help them get to where they're trying to go. Coach, I appreciate your time. This was awesome stuff, and uh, good luck this week in the NCAA tournament. Thank you, Evan. Have a good one, man. This is Aaron Rodgers. They're going to air it out. Rodgers does this better than anybody. End zone, Cobb, touchdown! Unbelievable! The Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. And you're listening to The Sidelines with Evan Daniels. We'd like to once again thank UNC Greensboro head coach Wes Miller, Murray State's head coach Matt McMahon, and College of Charleston's head coach Earl Grant for jumping on the Sidelines podcast. Enjoyed hearing about their teams and their stories. Before I let you go, I want to make sure that you are subscribed and supporting the Sidelines podcast. And the best way to do both is to shoot over to Apple Podcasts and or your favorite podcast app hit the subscribe button for me but also leave a rating and a review that would be extremely helpful you can also shoot me a note over on twitter my twitter handle is at evan daniels would love to know what you think of the podcast or any future guests that's all i have for today thanks for listening